Welcome back to the best of Let's Go with Tom Brady and Jim Gray. This week, we're looking back on the Super Bowl. Terrific game. I got a lot of friends on the Rams, and they beat us. And uh, I know how challenging they are to to beat. And uh, since he had a chance, but in the end, man, the Rams just made some really clutch plays in the end. It was a, a really good game, really good Super Bowl. When you're watching the game, are you disappointed you're not in it, or are you just taking it in like a fan? Um, you know, it's a good question. I think it's a Super Bowl Sunday is pretty interesting, you know. And I think I've been out of the country for a little bit, uh, you know, so I haven't kind of felt that ramp up you know that everyone's looking forward to on the weekend but you know it's it's it just thinking when I was a kid and and obviously throughout my career it, there's such build up to the game and it's exciting and it's you think about the game and you think about the commercials and you think about the, the food and the gathering and you know the, it's like the world kind of stops certainly in the U.S. for for about four hours from the start of the game all the way through the end and it's just it's a it's a neat day it's you know, it's you're there with your friends, you're watching sports. Really, sometimes doesn't really matter who you're cheering for. You know, you're just watching football and it's a little bit of a national holiday, which is pretty cool. So I, I enjoyed watching it yesterday. I mean, I haven't, you know, I haven't enjoyed watching Super Bowls for a long time, you know, and obviously playing in Super Bowls, it's a different type of experience, which I, like I said yesterday, I'd much rather play in the Super Bowl than watch the Super Bowl. But I haven't even really enjoyed watching Super Bowls. Yesterday was the first Super Bowl I got to watch and just kind of enjoy watching these guys play and fight for something they've worked hard to achieve. You set your calendar and you sent out a tweet and you and you said, uh, shit, uh, I guess you didn't make the date. <laughs> as you move forward I now. I know, man. As you move forward now, what do you set your calendar to? How big of an adjustment is it going to be? I know it's going to be a little different and uh, that's okay. It should be different. I think there's new experiences and new opportunities for growth. And, and uh, it was, I mean, it was for, for a long time. That's, that was the goal. And, you know, if you're these athletes and you could see it even with the tears of joy, you know, Odell and Aaron Donald and, you know, Von Miller got to experience it again. And some of these guys, Eric Weddle, I mean, what a story Eric Weddle, um, you know, had. And then you look at Cincy on the other side and it's the, the agony of defeat and you know they got to go back to the drawing board They're, they feel like 31 other teams so you know one team feels good the other 31 feel pretty crappy there's one fan base that's really excited there's 31 others that are happy to have the season over with and then you know the cycle starts again in the fall so it's it's a uh, it's a great feeling to win that game it's a great feeling to be in that game and I think even from watching it from the outside it's a very inspirational thing for a lot of athletes to see because it's the one game that you play your whole life for, you know, you, when you're in high school or when I was a kid, I dreamed about being in the Super Bowl. When the Niners won the Super Bowl, I would go out and bang pots and pans up and down the El Camino Real in San Mateo. And just, I was so <laughs> excited, you know, and you know, then I played in that game and because I played in it, you kind of lose the sense of the perspective of the game, you know, just, maybe so disappointed not being in that game for, for so many years, the last bunch of years that I played, you know, this game, I just kind of, yeah, I was bummed that I wasn't playing, but at the same time, I was happy for the guys that were playing that got to go, you know, live their dreams out in front of the whole world. And uh, it's a pretty amazing experience for everyone and their families. And only one team can win Andrew Whitworth. I mean, what a great story he is. My great friend, you know, Neil Elitrosh has been the team doctor for the Rams for a long time. And uh, just happy for him. So 
Sean McVay, I mean, he's done a, an amazing job since he's been there. And he was on the other side of winning against us. You know, he lost against us, I don't know, three years ago in the same game. So it's a hard game to get to. It's a hard game to win. And, uh, you know, made a lot of dreams come true yesterday. For Matthew Stafford, who was really a, a great player in Detroit, and statistically he racked up a bunch of numbers, but he had a terrible team around him, quite frankly, and could never get it done. And he persevered. I know you ran into him this summer by accident and, and spoke for a few minutes, and, and then he played the Rams twice. Uh, he fulfills this dream now, comes to Los Angeles. The Rams went all in through everything at this season, and they got the payoff. Can you kind of explain what this feeling is like for somebody who is like Matthew, who's been laboring for a long time because you've had teammates come to you with the Patriots uh, and the Bucks to get that first championship? Yeah, and it was, you know, Matt's another one too. You know, Matt and Cooper Cup. I mean, look at those two. You know, Sony Michelle's a friend of mine. I mean, these are guys that we all look around the league and we admire them for their skill, for, you know, how they play, how tough Matt is, how he always answers the bell. And then you look at Cooper Cup, how incredible of a player he he is, you know, and, and understanding where he started in the NFL and, and look at the kind of year he has, you know, has overcome his ACL from a few years ago and put together one of the greatest seasons the receivers ever had. So, you know, you have a lot of appreciation for those guys because they're, there's so many talented players in the NFL and, you know, it's, it's a competitive league. Those players are spread throughout a bunch of different teams. So you may be a really great quarterback, but you may not have the team to, to allow to you to get to that place where you want to get to. You may be a really great receiver, but never play with a good enough team, you know, and, and you're just trying to find the right mix of guys and the right team with the right attitude with the right desire and determination to get over the hump. And I think Matt found that in the Rams and they found that in Matt. Matt was a very talented quarterback and he went to a very competitive organization where, you know, you, you have Aaron Donald there and you had Jalen Ramsey. And I know those guys are great competitors. You had Sean McVay, who's a great young coach. And then they bring in, in the same year, they bring in Odell, you know, they go in all in with Odell and, you know, he has a great, you know, first, you know, quarter and a half of that game and, and they go and they trade for Von Miller. And it was just, they, I, I really believe in that. You got to go for it. You know, you, there's, it, it takes a really bold, you know, no one's going to hand deliver you these trophies. I think so many people in the NFL think that their time will come. And the reality is you got to make it, you got to make it happen. You got to go out there and you got to do whatever it takes to, to get the job done and to put yourself in the positions to win Super Bowls. Cause these things are really hard to, to earn. You can't buy them. You got to go earn them. And, you know, when you watch the Rams approach and, you know, they could go the other way, but it's not from lack of effort. You know, that's an organization that's determined to go out there and win Super Bowls. And, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for that. Jim Gray with Tom Brady. Let's go is brought to you by GoldenNuggetCasino.com. Now online in Michigan and New Jersey. Play your favorite online slots or table games like blackjack, roulette, and so much more with over 700 games to choose from. Only at the GoldenNuggetCasino.com. Tom, you were just talking about Cooper Cup and his remarkable story. He's the MVP uh, of Super Bowl 56. Should he have been the MVP of the season? Because if you take Cooper Cup off that team, um, gosh, he, he he's the only one making plays, really. Uh, Odell is hurt. Uh, Akers comes back toward the end of the year. 
consistently throughout the year, big play after big play against you, knocked you guys out of the playoffs, against the 49ers, yeah. then the big touchdown to win the game. Aaron Rodgers got the award. You probably should have gotten the award. But if you had a vote, would you have voted for Cup? I mean, it's, again, a, that's a tough award. I mean, I know it's so hard to, you know, give it to one guy. There's a lot of great players. And Cooper is just as deserving as Aaron. Um, you know, Aaron had a spectacular year. How can you say that he he wasn't, you know, as great as any player in the league this year? He certainly was and and very deserving, always um, terrific player. Uh, Cooper Cup, though, has had an incredible year, too. You know, so it's just. I don't know. I'm never one for choosing one one guy, one player. I mean, Aaron Donald. I mean, if you're looking at a defensive player, who's more valuable to a team than that guy? I mean, he's just a force of nature, and it really has been. I mean, you can say that every year. He's one of the all-time great players to ever play in the NFL. So it's one person. You're trying to choose one person, and you know the reality is there's probably about five guys that qualify. There's probably another 15 guys that are incredibly deserving. Um, but, you know, they got to give it to one person. And, and Cooper, I think when you see what he's done over the course of the year, he's as valuable to the team as anyone. And his game yesterday proved it again. And he's just determined player when he came out into the league. He wasn't the biggest, the fastest, the strongest. But he's he's built a career on a lot of the intangibles too. But, yeah, he can run and he can catch. And he makes really clutch plays. And – um, you know, Matthew did a great job. I was thinking in the game, you know, you, when you lose Odell, Rams were really struggling running the ball, and they're kind of a passing team. You know, they lose Robert Woods, I don't know how many weeks ago that was, six, seven weeks ago, and then you lose Odell, and now it's kind of you're in the second half of the Super Bowl, and you got to figure out a way to get it done, and they're losing. And uh, it took a hell of a drive. And what Matt did was he went to his best player, and he went to Cooper. And Cooper came through, Matt came through. And they ultimately, if I, I was thinking when I was watching, if they get the lead, this is, it's going to be really hard for the Bengals because of that pass rush. And they found a way to get the ball down the field, score the touchdown, and uh, you know put it in the hands of their defense. And the D, you know, the defensive line did a great job with the with the O line of the Bengals and really forced Joe into some tough throws, tough decisions, and ultimately stopped them there on fourth down. But it's a uh, you know fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. It should come down to that. It should come down to the last drive, and it did. It was for you know the ultimate prize, and it ended up being a really great game. So happy for both teams. It was a, a, a valiant effort by the Bengals. They had a great season. Um, you know they're going to have to go back and figure out how to improve to win that game, and it's certainly not easy. I mean, you look at the Chiefs. They've been in you know they've been in the AFC Championship four four straight seasons and won one Super Bowl. So. Like I said, it's a hard game to get to. It's a hard game to win. You know, there's a lot of talented teams in the NFL, but, you know, only one team's ultimately is going to walk away with the trophy. Jim Gray and Tom Brady, we are brought to you by Morton's The Steakhouse. Celebrate your next special occasion with Morton's. Morton's is the prime place to take your special someone for that perfect steak and an unrivaled dining experience like Valentine's Day. Visit mortons.com for reservations. Tom, uh, you were talking about getting the lead, and you've had this experience, and no game ever comes down to exactly one play, uh, but it will be pointed to. Tyler Boyd uh, picked an awful bad time uh, to have his first drop of the season. It came with about six minutes and 20 seconds left. Uh, Bengals were driving the ball. 
Uh, they had a four-point lead, dropped the ball for a certain first down, uh, on which could have become, you know, another scoring opportunity for Cincinnati and perhaps put the game out of reach. Not to go back into the archive too far or to bring up a sore spot, but Wes Welker had this type of moment uh, with you in the Super Bowl uh, that would have clinched a game. Uh, how do you think this will go for Tyler Boyd and for the Bengals when they look back on that and uh, just have to live with that? I think that it's always kind of, you know, looking at one or two plays in the game and, you know, if this would have happened, if that would have happened. Yeah. And, and that that's the reality. Tyler Boyd has had a great year. I mean, really in that receiving court with Jamar Chase and T Higgins, and they've really come on, especially a second half of the year and play great. So, you know, they got nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, it's a game of skill and, you know, throwing and catching is a hard skill. And, uh, you know, it could go right all year. Then you have one play where, you know, you just don't come up with it. It was a tough catch. You know, he knew there was going to be contact. You know, you, you, you don't, I would say not lose your concentration. You just, you know, you're thinking about, you know, protecting yourself and getting the ball to the first down and you just, you know, you, you end up dropping it, but that's, it's part of the game. And, uh, you know, Joe made a good throw. I, they still could not come up short is the reality. But, you know, the other team needed to make a lot of plays, too. And uh, the Rams did that. So sometimes when one team doesn't make it, the other team can capitalize, which they did. You know, sometimes the team never get, gets a chance to capitalize because of how, you know, good a performance could be. And that's just the way football goes. And it's a it's a tough sport. It's a tough game. And, uh, you know, the team that makes the plays wins the game. And that's what happened yesterday with the Rams. Jim Gray with Tom Brady. We're here on Let's Go on Sirius XM. The coach is always going to get some scrutiny after a Super Bowl. Uh, Zach Taylor had some rough spots yesterday. Uh, the end of the first half, the clock management going for it uh, on the first drive uh, after the Bengals had a good defensive uh, holding of the Rams when they uh, got the ball on the kickoff, and then he went for it uh, on the 50-yard line, fourth and one. Um, that led immediately to uh, a Rams touchdown. And then running the ball on third and one uh, at the end of the game uh, with a guy, you know, you got Joe Mixon back there and you don't, you don't give him the ball. Um, all of these things uh, are going to go under the microscope, and these are things that the Bengals and their fans are going to have to live with. I, I kind of place this on the coach, Tom. Uh, <laughs> he, let, he let those guys down. Well, I think, you know, again, there's a lot of these things that come down to playing and coaching and, and they're really synonymous with, you know, winning and losing. And it, I think a coach can make a decision and a player, you know, doesn't execute the way he's capable and it falls on the, you know, a possible decision of a coach and vice versa. You know, sometimes a coach makes a decision and, you know, a player's trying to do the right thing. It doesn't go well. It's a team sport. So it's always easy to second guess things and, go on especially when there's so many variables to winning games so um you know zach had a great you know had a great season as a coach and at the same time you know i'm sure there's things he wishes he could have done better and i'm sure there's things joe burrow wish he could have done better and i'm sure there's things the rams players wish they were done better i'm sure jalen ramsey didn't feel like he played the best game of his career even though you know his team won so that's why it's a team sport it's not golf it's not tennis takes a lot that goes into winning and losing it's it is, it is such a team sport and you know the great part of being about teammate a, a teammate is you know when one of your teammates doesn't do a great job and you come through you know 
and vice versa. You don't do a great job and they come through, you know, you, there's a sense of a team sport that that's, that's why you play it, you know, cause you can make up for a guy not doing this best and they can make up for you not doing your best. And, you know, it's, it's not like an individual sport where you, if you don't have a great performance, you end up losing the game. So that's why I like team sports. I love throwing to Randy Moss and Wes Welker and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman. Cause they can always come down with it for me. So I was the beneficiary of so many great players and coaches over the years. What do you make of all these analytics that go in now to the NFL and, and we see so often, and we haven't talked about it uh, this year uh, on Let's Go. Um, I don't know how big you were into analytics or your coaching staff with Bruce Arians, but we see this a lot around the National Football League. Obviously, that played out on that uh, fourth down call uh, early in the first quarter that led to the Rams' first touchdown when the Bengals weren't able to convert on fourth and one. What do you make of all the analytics that, and these slight percentages that, uh, and the data that indicates this is what you should do in this circumstance, but it doesn't take into account necessarily that you're doing it against Von Miller and Aaron Donald and so forth? Yeah, I, again, I think there's, those things are important, and I think we use them more now than we ever have. I think in business and sports, um, you know, you're trying to analyze the data to put yourself in the best possible situation. But, you know, 60-40 or 40-60, you know, in the world of sports, I don't think matters that much in the end. Um, I mean, I think for winning and losing, yes. But, you know, I think those things have to be evaluated, um, you know, in, in the moment. That's why you have humans making those decisions. And they don't always make it right because, I don't know, you could make a perfect decision and, you know, quarterback throws the ball and the guy drops it. And that's just the reality. And, how do analytics account for that? So it's a lot of human error that goes into it. There's a lot of human margin of error that goes into it. You know, I don't always know what the right decision is. You got to just be in the moment and you got to try to make the best decisions as possible. Knowing that even though you make the best possible decision, it's not always going to go right, but that's the same in every other aspect of life. Your things don't always go the way that you expect them to go, even though you think you're making the right decision at the right time. So, um, you know, it's, it's what we deal with all the time. And, uh, you know, you got to try to overcome it when it doesn't go your way. You got to try to take advantage of the opportunity when it does go your way. And, uh, you know, that's why you come out with winner, winning and losing. Every team now turns its attention, Tom, including the Los Angeles Rams. They're turning their attention to their parade, but soon they'll get ready into a very busy offseason with so many players and cap issues, uh, free agents that they have. And everybody starts this mad scramble now. And, and as you've said a couple of times uh, in this broadcast, Al Davis said it best. It's a vicious struggle to be number one. One team wins and the other 31 are looking for answers. Well, the Rams yeah. are going to even start looking for answers here pretty soon because uh, of all these free agents. So how do these teams develop these new coaches and develop these players so that they can become cohesive and try and compete? You know, it's a, good, it's a great question. I think it's more challenging now than ever you know if I'm looking at the landscape of the league and even you know for my experience in 22 years of of kind of you know paying really close attention to everything that's going on in the NFL it's it's a hard task and I think the business of football is really excelling and I think the um you know if you just even watch yesterday's show you know the game but it's really the entertainment between the pregame show they had you know, entertainers before the show. They had the halftime show, which everyone always makes a big deal. They have the post-game shows. It's just, 
it's all encompassing. And I, I think the business of football is incredible. And at the same time, for me, I think of the product of football and it's harder to develop coaches now. There's, they're, they're not sticking around in places to learn and educate themselves like they used to because there's so much money in it. You know, the college game has changed drastically. You know, the level of player that's coming into the NFL, even though he may be more skilled um, physically, he might be a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger and faster. But I don't think mentally he's at the same place of development that, you know, we as players were 20 years ago because – we went to colleges that worked on developing the players that was, you know, when I chose Michigan, I chose Michigan because there was a lot of other pro quarterbacks that had come from that program. And when I went to Michigan, they developed me as a pro quarterback in a pro style offense. It's even hard to look around college football now and find those type of places. It's hard to find coaches that stick around in a college to develop a program that in the end would develop and, and, and allow those players to, transition into the pro game where there were pro coaches that were kind of staples of programs for periods of time. There's so much change and turnover in college programs, in college coaching because of the money involved in pro coaching that I don't think the development of the coaches is the same. So everyone's searching for the same thing. They're searching for good coaches. They're searching for good players. And I just think it's harder to find now than it's ever been. How do you go about developing these folks? I think they're, there could potentially be investments, you know, made into, um, you know, whether it's coaching academies. I know there's different, you know, for play for the player standpoint, you know, for example, if you wanted to be a pro player, there was a very traditional path. You basically went to college football, you spent four or five years in college and you, that prepared you basically to become a pro, you know, there's gotta be some form of college development for players, there could be outside of the college system, which they're beginning to see more leagues um, and ideas for leagues pop up, spring leagues and so forth that can develop players, but also the same for coaches. And I think investments need to be made for, for coaching prospects as well. And there could be areas where people could invest their time and energy to learn about being a good coach and about being players um, as opposed to just letting the college system develop the future pro talent at both the coaching and playing level like it used to for so long. Because I don't think that system is going to work as well as it used to going forward. It's tough to change this system, though. Uh, it's tough to get the players, the owners, the colleges. It's, it's really complicated. And the need to develop players, particularly the young ones, and, and really coaches as well, Look at all the coaching turnover. It's just it's it's, it's remarkable, and and the money is is so big now, Tom, uh, as you're aware. Uh, how do you go about changing a system that's entrenched? Well, I think people may just be forced to change because if if you even look at the college system, it's really forced to change now at this point. Um, it's going to have its different challenges, and we don't even know what those challenges are going to be, but. You know, with NIL and transfer portals, teams are going to look different from year to year. Coaches are going to look different leading these programs year to year. They're just going to go where, you know, the money is for them. And, you know, college pro coaches are going to want more guarantees as pro coaches. Um, but if they get fired in the end, they're just going to have their friend hire them at the next place. So 
hopefully there are people that will look out for the greater interests of the sport in the game. And I think there are people who love football. They care about football. They want the product of football to be as great as the business of football. And, um, you know, obviously there'll be things that people are made aware of and hopefully they can put their time and energy into the requisite changes in order to help the game, the product and the business continue to grow at the same pace. Tom Gronk's in the news quite a bit. Uh, you guys have been linked so much. Do you think he's going to continue to play? I don't know. You know, I think it's a, I, I, I certainly hope so. I mean, I've watched him basically practice and play since he started the NFL. He's, he can certainly do it. You know, it's a big commitment for all of us. You know, it's a big commitment to keep playing. And I know when he's willing to make that commitment, he's unstoppable out there as a player. So he'll have a lot of opportunity in every aspect of life because of who he is and, you know, his personality and what he brings to what he does. So I sure hope so. And there's a lot of players that are going to be facing those tough decisions and, and really weighing the risks, the rewards to continue to play. But Gronk's someone that, you know, I love. He's an inspirational person for me and uh, an inspirational friend, teammate. And, you know, I think football is a lot better when he's in it. Hi, everybody. Christopher Mad Dog Russo here. Familiar? You should be. Well, now you can catch Mad Dog's Daily Bite each day as a podcast where you'll hear my thoughts and opinions on the biggest topics around the world of sports, NFL, baseball, golf, NBA, even the hockey. That you know you can count on. That's Mad Dog's Daily Bite. Drops daily anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can also hear me weekdays 3 to 6 Eastern on Mad Dog Unleashed, Sirius XM Channel 82, or anytime on the SXM app. Welcome back to the best of Let's Go. We continue our Super Bowl reaction with Larry Fitzgerald, who gave his thoughts on the Rams' electric offense and the Bengals' aggressive play calling. They ran a, uh, a condensed fade ball, great back shoulder throw to um, to Cooper right there for him to go and score the go-ahead touchdown. He was spectacular. He made plays, you know, from the beginning of the game to the very end. Um, you know, in the, in the box sheets, they might not be as productive as he's been in terms of, uh, you know, big yardage numbers that he had in other previous playoff games. But, I mean, he was dynamite, and he was Johnny on the spot uh, when his team needed him all day. Yeah, he was just terrific. Uh, eight receptions, 92 yards, two touchdowns, uh, and ties a record that you've been holding now uh, with consecutive touchdowns. Uh, he, he's equal to you in the record books in the postseason. Also sets a record for the postseason, 33 catches uh, in the postseason. So he's he's in the record books and he's the MVP. When everybody knows that he's the only guy that can make a play for the Rams, Odell Beckham Jr. unfortunately gets hurt, uh, scores a touchdown, and, and then uh, hurts his knee uh, and doesn't play the rest of the game. So everybody knows there's only one guy uh, who can make a play. Cam Akers, that whole rushing game, 43 yards. It's totally ineffective. The Bengals were spectacular stopping the run. Why can't they figure it out? I mean, uh, this Eli Apple's awful. Let's just call it like it is. When you know this is all you have to do and you're not even close uh, and you're getting penalties there at the end, uh, but w why can't he be stopped? Jimmy's a great player, and you look across any sport, 
um, any team sport, when a, when a person is that dominant, his team and his coaches, the other players around him are doing everything they can to be able to put him in a spot where he can go make plays. I mean, you see it with the motions from, uh, you know, starting outside, moving down to number two, running the crossing routes, running the drag routes, runs goals, deep, um, shallow routes. I mean, he can beat you in an intermediate passing game, on uh, deep game and in the screen game. So you use him in so many different facets. Um, you know, even, you know, you want to get the ball in his hands on rushing attempts. I mean, so Sean McVay does a great job. He's displayed that, you know, over the last few years that doesn't matter what defenses do, they will find a way to get the ball into Cooper's hands. And when he does get it in his hands, he's going to continue to make plays. And that's what great players do. You see it throughout the course of history. You know, everybody knew when Jerry Rice stepped on the field, he was the best. And when you looked at the box sheet after the game, his fingerprints were all over it. And, uh, and that's what great coaches do for great players. They find innovative ways to be able to help them be productive. Jim Gray with Larry Fitzgerald. Let's go is brought to you by GoldenNuggetCasino.com. Now online in Michigan and New Jersey. Play your favorite online slots or table games like Blackjack, Roulette, and so much more with over 700 games to choose from. Only at GoldenNuggetCasino.com. The Rams are to be commended. They're champions, and no one will ever take that away from them. Mm-hmm. A lot on the Cincinnati plate that needs to be addressed. First of all, where are we now? The Brandon Staley Book of Coaching. We're going to a Super Bowl as the Cincinnati Bengals. You hold the Rams on the very first first set of downs, Larry, and you're going for it on fourth and one at the 50-yard line against the Rams offense that's pretty potent, and you fail. So what are you doing here? What is Zach Taylor doing? Uh, I don't want to hear about analytics. This is the Super Bowl. I don't want to have a 0.8% higher number or whatever somebody's telling him uh, of making the play. It's idiotic, and it cost his team a touchdown. Jim, I didn't have a problem with it. You know, we've, we've had this you debate. You never have a problem numbers. with it. You I know never we, have we, a problem with had- any of this. We, we've had we've had this debate countless times over the course of the year. Why would you just because you're in this in a game of this magnitude? Why would you change or deviate from the things that you've done throughout the course of the season that has put you in position to, to be in the big game that you're playing in? Um, you because would trust you those lost. players. You would because play. You, you would trust your players. Away. You would trust your players in, in week seven. And you held them. You, and why not punt, Jim? You would trust your players in week seven. You would trust your players to, to execute in week 16, and you would trust your players in Super Bowl to do it. And that's what he did. He relied on his guys. They didn't get the job done. That doesn't mean that they're not capable of it. Um, the Rams are a good team. They, they stopped them. But, you know, later in, in that half, you know, they converted on a fourth down um, before the end of the half and, and did a great job with that. I mean, so you, you can't always look at it and say, look, they didn't convert it. It was a bad decision. Because I, I don't look at it like that. Well, I look at the result. You always look at the result, bad. and you can't always look at the results, Jim. You can't always look at the result. You know, we can, we can so look at the results in everything in life. There's 31 other teams right we, now we can look, in the same we, hey, position Jim. as the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> yes, so, yes. Okay. Yeah, um, we can, we can, we can look at we can, didn't We work. don't have to look at the results on that. We can look at the results and say, look, SoFi Stadium uh, hosted the Super Bowl this weekend. There was $3 billion of cost overruns. But it's still the nicest stadium in the National Football League, and it hosted a magnificent Super Bowl. Like we can, we can go up and down the street, you know, finding the what ifs, and we should have, could have done it. Um, you know, no, I, I, it was, I like it. It was, it was, it was, it was bad at the time, and it's worse now that we examine it. Okay, seven points in a game like this at that time after you've had success, you had success. You just stopped him. You made him punt, and it's a field position game. Look at the final score of this game. 
okay? You lose by three. It's a 23-20 game, and you're up late into it, into the final two minutes. So let's go later on. What in God's name is Zach Taylor doing at the end of the first half with the time management, taking time out on his 20-yard line, his own 20-yard line, with 43 seconds left on third and five? It's beyond moronic. It is as dumb as anything you will ever see at any time. You have an explanation for that, sir? No, I don't. That was a head scratcher for me as well, Jim. Uh, you know, I understood, you know, the first uh, attempt on fourth down um, early in the game, but that one left me a little baffled. Um, I, I didn't know what he was doing or what he was attempting to do. I, I mean, I, I was like everybody else that was watching the game. I was befuddled. Okay. Now let's jump to the fourth quarter with time running out. Uh, you get the ball out to the 50-yard line. The clock is winding. You run the ball on third down. Yeah. And by the way, they didn't take a snap from under center the entire game. I'm not a coach in the National Football League, but really? Really? Okay, so they get stuffed. Bad call. Bad decision. And then on fourth down, your quarterback, who's playing on one knee in a galleon effort, um, he's getting clobbered. You put him in a position where he can't succeed. The whole thing is bad. This was a bad coaching job. In fact, it was quite awful. It might go down in the annals of Super Bowl history after they dissect this as one of the worst ever. That's a shame because the Bengals' defense really played well. Really, really played well. Yeah, the Bengals' defense did play well enough to win. But, um, you know, I, I would have loved to see Joe Mixon hit it in there. I mean, I felt like he was dancing a little bit once he got the football. You know, you have to understand the situation. It, it's not a, that's not a play you're trying to break for a home run. You're just trying to get two yards, um, get a fresh set of downs, you know, be methodical in terms of how you're operating the clock. You know, you don't want to get down there and score too quickly and give them the ball back. Um, you know, you have the safety of knowing that you can take the game into overtime with a field goal. I would just really love to see him just hit it in there, be able to get that, that third down and, and take the suspense out of it. Um, you know, I just, when I was watching it live today, it, I, I struggled with the decision to try to bounce that play. I, I just feel like he should have just ran up down uh, behind his offensive line and pushed the line and, and got that. And, um, I, we wouldn't be having this conversation if that happened. And how about the call on fourth down? Well, Jimmy, I mean, the logical thing would have been to run it on fourth down. I mean, you're, you know, it's, it's, fourth, it's, fourth, it's fourth and one. But, you know, Joe's done a great job of getting the ball out of his hands and, and, his, and his playmakers have made plays for him all season. Um, you know, you, you, like to, you like to think that those one-on-one -on -one matchups outside, you can win. Um, but, you know, we, we can sit here and second-guess those decisions all day. Uh, you know, I... It's tough, man. It's, it's you, not I, second guessing. It's, it's first guessing. It's uh, first guessing. You know, in those those big game situations, we saw it a couple of years ago with with, uh, with Daryl Bevel and, and Pete Carroll throwing the ball on, uh, in, in the end zone uh, when it so easily could have handed it off. You know, I would love to see him run something, you know, uh, you know, up the middle again on that fourth down. It's just trying to get it, dealing with those pass rushers, bad balls, all of those. It, 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 take to take this dress out of it well coach taylor did say after the game there are probably some things he'll look back on and we'll have to analyze exactly what we could have done differently yet he won't have to look too far jim gray with larry fitzgerald our program let's go is brought to you by del frisco's double eagle steakhouse from tender grilled steaks to decadent desserts 
and an impeccable wine list, Del Frisco's Double Eagle Steakhouse will surpass your expectations by treating you to an extraordinary dining experience. Visit DelFrisco's.com to make your reservations. Larry, how about all those penalties? We didn't have any penalties uh, virtually for the entire game. Uh, illegal procedure, a couple of delay of games, and then it's raining penalties in the last few minutes, uh, particularly on that third down and five, a critical holding play. Um, what's going on there with the officials uh, that all of a sudden uh, they feel they have to have an impact on the game? And uh, Ron Torbert and uh, the crew let them play all night, and then all of a sudden – we're going to go into huddles and discussions and decisions, and it's it's a bad look. Well, I felt the holding on on the third down, you know, was it was a blatant uh, was a blatant pretty blatant penalty. Um, uh, you know, I don't think it was up for debate, uh, and I and I don't think those referees want to have any input. They don't they don't want to be remembered for making those type of calls in the situation. You want the players to kind of play it out, and I think they swallowed the whistles for most of the game. But you don't want a play like that to you know, determine the outcome of the game either. Um, you know, that, that wasn't the, that wasn't the play that you could just turn a blind eye to, like some of the holdings that you see that are not called. Um, but you know, that 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 would have had too big of implications if it wasn't. And and what about the unnecessary roughness? Bang bang call. I mean, I don't I don't know what the defensive back can do there. Uh, is he supposed to step out of the way and just let him go unabated, run by and? prance over the over the goalpost and dunk it and you know celebrate it's the game winning touchdown what's he supposed yeah. to do no it wasn't it, it's not a helmet to helmet it was not you know it's not unsportsmanlike uh, no but he, he but he was still defenseless um and you know the shoulder was high and it was a bang bang play like you said from my vantage point it did like it was a little high and you know you always at all times have to protect the players um, especially when they not positioned to protect themselves and you know, it's easy to, to look at the review and, and say it, it wasn't that or it wasn't this. Um, but those guys are making those split second decisions. And you don't want, you know, guys getting knocked out in that in that position in the game. And um, I think they did a good job of protecting the players. They, they stayed on course with what they've been doing throughout the course of the year. And, um, you know, it was consistent. This Cooper Cup, again, we talked about it a few minutes ago. He's really he's really <laughs> something. He's uh uh, he's really a joy to watch, and it's uh, uh, it's kind of a throwback to an era uh, that that that's kind of lost because we see so many great, leaping, incredible, one-handed, uh, miraculous catches. Jamar Chase, I don't know how he caught that ball in the first half on that long pass. That was just spectacular. That spectacular. was just marvelous. I mean, it, yeah. it, you're somebody who excelled at this position. How do you view something like that? Are you amazed as well? Absolutely, Jim. And this might sound crazy to, to, to people listening, but I, I don't think Cooper Cup gets the attention and the respect that he deserves, honestly. Um, you know, he's he's a white wide receiver uh, playing a predominantly African-American position. And, you know, he's always compared to this and compared to that. Um, Cooper Cup does not lack in any department on the football field. He's fast. Um, he may not be 4-2, but he's fast enough to get behind defenses. You saw it against Tampa Bay in the playoffs. You saw it countless times throughout the course of the season. Laterally, he's as quick as anybody in the game. Um, his, his hands are unbelievable in traffic, uh, on the sidelines. Um, and he's just, he's just a true marvel to watch. And, uh, you know, he's really young still. He's got his quarterback in Matthew Stafford. And I think we're going to continue to see him play at a very, very high clip for years to come. 
Cooper Cup. I live in Los Angeles. Cooper Cup is the MVP of the National Football League. They can vote all they want, and Aaron Rodgers won the award, and congratulations to Aaron. And our partner, Tom Brady, should have been the MVP if you base it on every statistical category, wins equal uh, to Aaron and so forth. But he didn't get it. But the most valuable player, it's really Cooper Cup. You take him off that team this year, and they're sitting at home like everybody else. And it's not even close. Uh, I, Jim, I, I, I have to disagree with you on that. Um, I'm not taking anything away from him. He is a fantastic player, but he is just a wide receiver. Um, if you take Aaron Rodgers off the Green Bay Packers, uh, you know, they're, they're a five or six win team, to, to be honest with you. Um, the Rams. Okay, and if you have, took Cooper have, Cup off of this team, would they have won the Super Bowl? Yeah, he, uh, no, they would not. They have not, they would not have won the Super Bowl. But he is not more valuable to the Rams than Aaron Rodgers is to the Packers. And I just I just don't think that playing quarterback in the National Football League is the most difficult thing to do in all the professional sports. And, um, you know, there's no substitute for that position. But Cooper Cup is dominant. He's the best in the game um, today. And he's Super Bowl MVP for a reason because of his hard work and the things he's put put into the game. And um, he, he deserves to be held up on the pedestal he, he's standing on. Who would you have voted for for MVP? If you had a vote, I mean, with Tom Brady and what he did in terms of his his numbers, um, you know, it's it was spectacular, and uh, you know, I would it would have been between um, Aaron Rodgers and and, and Tom, and um, you know, if they gave it to Tom, I wouldn't have had any issues with it, and they gave it to Aaron, I had no issue with that either. They were the two best players playing the most uh, prominent position in the game, but if you take all of that out of the equation, you know, Cooper Cup was right there. Um, as the third best player, I think, um, in the league. Larry, there's some alarm bells going to be ringing uh, today. Who do you look at in this game and say, you know what, if they would have X, the result would be different? I'll say if the, if, if the Cincinnati Bengals would have done a better job of containing Von Miller and Aaron Donald, um, you know, they would be hoisting the trophy today. Uh, you know, I just I don't think they did a good enough job of keeping Joe Burrow clean. Um, you know, he was hit entirely too much, limped off the field at, at one point. Um, and like you you understand what your weaknesses are and how you should be attacking this team. And I feel like they failed him um, in, in doing a good enough job of keeping him healthy and clean. Because um, when he's standing up and, and you see what he's able to do in terms of finding his guys on the field, it just, it, it's baffling to me that he's hit that often and that frequently. You're right, Larry. He was sacked seven times. But he's just being harassed and hit so often. We saw it against Tennessee. Um, this now takes it to 70 sacks on the season. 70 sacks, okay? I mean, nobody can hold up. I don't care how good you are, and I don't care how young you are. Uh, the guy's getting beaten up, and uh, yes, you're playing Aaron Donald and Von Miller and uh, a terrific defense, but let's just call it as it is. The offensive line has done an awful job. Uh, protecting uh, Joe Burrow all year. 
Well, Jim, it's not just necessarily an offensive line. It's not new. This is not a uh, something that just happened that their offensive line it hasn't played great. You gotta you gotta keep another receiver in. Um, if you only gotta run two two man uh, match protection routes to be able to get to the matchups you're looking for, you have to do that. You you can't just put the onus on on the offensive line to play better if they haven't done that throughout the course of the year. So, uh, as a coach, you you just have to do things to to help your your guys. Um, and I don't think they did enough of it. Again, it's coaching. I mean, if you don't take the ball under center, there's no play action. There's, there's, there, you know, uh, there's no threat of a draw or a screen. I mean, it's, it's just what's going on here. I mean, look, you don't, you don't have to be a PhD in football or, or be a coach to see this. I mean, look, sportscasters and, and armchair quarterbacks are sitting here and saying, why aren't they doing anything to deflect this pass rush to throw it off? I think they ran one trick play, and it scored a touchdown. It worked. So why aren't you doing that more often? Why aren't you doing just something to slow this down? You know, yeah, the trick play was great, um, but it just in terms of changing it up, in terms of running screens, uh, the draws, um, you know, the tight end slips, you know, all the things that really do, uh, you know, slow down the pass for us makes those guys just think about just running in there and, and, and not thinking about the run. You know, you, you have to continue to change it up, especially when you're playing against fronts that are this dominant. And um, I, it's, I, I sat there and I watched it him get hit time after time after time. And I said, like, how often do we have to see this until there's some type of adjustment made? Um, you know, because Joe is young. You mentioned earlier, but, you know, these hits start to add up and, um, you know, they – Moving forward, they, they just have to do a better job. Um, fortunately, he's, he's he's under contract for another two years. Uh, the, the receivers and playmakers they have are under contract for a few years. So they need to go out this offseason to really address those needs. Let's talk about Matthew Stafford for just a moment. Um, comes over, Jared Goff is sent out. Goff losing in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago to the Patriots and Brady. Stafford comes in. He was adequate. Actually, in, in many instances, pretty shaky. And anybody who's covered the National Football League can attest that Matt Stafford has, has, has put up tremendous numbers. And just the way that he's handled himself, you really have to be very happy for him that he escapes Detroit, comes to Los Angeles, and gets this huge monkey off his back and, and wins a Super Bowl championship. And he's always going to be in that position now. He won a title. Pretty pedestrian performance, though. Well, I mean, he he made a couple great throws. The back the back shoulder, you know, to take the lead was was phenomenal. Um, he made a couple of throws that he normally makes a game that you that you shake your head with. But you know, he managed the game really well, Jim. He took the throws that were available to him. He did a good job of you know uh, you know getting the plays ran, um, you know, and just getting getting guys in position to make plays. You know, it really hurt him. You know, losing Odell in that in that first half. I mean, you're talking about you know, top 10 dynamic player in our game. You take him off the field and, uh, you know, that really limits what you can do offensively. Um, so, you know, you have to take that into account. Higby was also out, so he didn't have his full arsenal of weapons at his disposal um, that, he, that he's had throughout the course of the year. Um, so I think he did. I think he did well for what he had, Jim. Um, you know, he managed the game well enough to build a, to win a championship. And, um, you know, that's to be commended. Lots of issues going forward for the Los Angeles Rams now. When you look at that free agent list, there's just a tremendous amount of guys who are, who are going to leave here. Odell Beckham, we don't know his status now with the knee. Uh, he's a free agent. Sony Michelle, uh, it, it's too numerous to go through them all, but there are an awful lot of them. So I don't think we have to worry necessarily about the Los Angeles Rams uh, being the team that's going to repeat 
what happens with Von Miller as well. Uh, there's just so many issues in cap space here. But they went for it. They went all in on their home field. They now become the second team in a row, the Bucks and now the Rams, to win at home. You wouldn't say this is a really bright future uh, facing them. Got a great defense and, and a terrific team right now, but it's going to have an awful lot of changes that they're going to have to figure out a new chemistry. Jim, if you, if you talk to the Rams executives when they were putting this offseason together and making the moves and the trades and the acquisitions they made, this was a one-year, we're all-in move, and we'll figure out what happens with this roster and this team, you know, after we win the championship. And I think that's where they are. Um, there's going to be a heck of a lot of changes. It's not going to be the same team that's going to come and, and, and kick it off in 2022. Um, everybody knew that. And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody's concerned about it tonight. And, um, you know, I think they're going to be celebrating this for quite a while. But they're going to have some tough decisions to make. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, Tampa winning on their home field uh, last year. The Rams winning on their home field this year. I guess that bodes well for Myers on the Cardinals next year, Jim. <laughs> well, let's talk about your Cardinals. What's going on over there with Kyler Murray? Uh, scrubbed everything off of his uh, social media. Seemingly not happy with being blamed. Feels he's being scapegoated for the loss to the Rams. Poor performance by Kyler Murray. Now he feels as though uh, perhaps he wants to disassociate. Well, you're close to this situation. You're, you're Mr. Cardinal. You're Mr. Arizona. <laughs> What do you make of what's going on here? Well, I'm in, in by no means, um, you know, some social media guru. I have no idea what scrubbing your your account even means. I have, I have zero idea. I had to ask my my son exactly what that that even meant. But what I do know is playing quarterback in the National Football League comes with uh, the most accolades and also the most scrutiny. And if your team is having success, you're going to get the lion's share of the praise and if the team doesn't have success. You're going to get the lion's share of the blame. And that's part of the responsibility that comes with, um, you know, being the franchise player. And uh, I think as he continues to grow and mature, um, he's going to understand that, you know, week in and week out, um, the success of the team is going to be on his shoulders and uh, he's got broad shoulders. He's got all the ability in the world, um, you know, running, throwing, He's, he's, an, he's an amazing talent. He has transcending ability that could take the Arizona Cardinals to a Super Bowl championship without a shadow of doubt. Um, but, you know, having the ability uh, is, is not all that's required. I mean, there's a lot of other intangibles that need to, to be in place as well. It's kind of shocking for this to occur for somebody so young who's had some success, uh, who looks to have a bright future. Uh, I don't know the young man. So this is an observation from a distance. Seems to be getting in his own way at several turns. Well, I've been away from him for a year. Um, I've never had any bad situations with him. Um, he's a he's a young, he's a young guy, um, and you know this this era of, of players are um, are a little different. You know they they move different, they think different, and um, you know all I can attest to is that you know he's got a a plethora uh, of weapons uh, at his disposal. And, um, you know, I like to think that Coach Cliff Kingsbury can be able to get the very best out of him and, you know, be able to pick up um, where they left off early in the season. You know, if you look at every single year he's played, this is his finished his third year. He's gotten better every single year. Um, he's made improvements. Um, his completion percentage has improved. And, you know, he's a, he's a very, very talented player. And, uh, you know, I just hope they can put these issues behind them and find a way to move forward in a positive way. How does that happen? 
you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't, you know, I, I wasn't in the locker room. I don't, I don't see where, you know, uh, you know, things kind of went off the rails and, um, you know, I haven't talked to Kyler. I haven't talked to Cliff uh, to ask him any questions about it. Um, you know, so I, I'm not really in the know. Larry, let's go back to that Rams game when Buda Baker, great player for the Cardinals, is, is on the ground being taken off on a stretcher. Every single player, every single player on the Cardinals is over looking out after either on their knee or hovering over Buda Baker, hoping that he's okay. And we don't know his condition at that time on SoFi Field, okay? I would say three quarters of the Rams are over on their knee, praying and hoping for the best. And off by himself, on the bench, some 60 yards away, sitting down with an assistant coach and the backup quarterback, is your team leader, Kyler Murray, showing zero concern, not being out there with the rest of the team, not wondering what's going on with Buda Baker. It was a horrible look, and I was in the stadium, and I witnessed it with my own eyes. Hasn't really been brought up. If it has been brought up, I'm not aware of it. Um, I just can't imagine any other quarterback on any other team or any other team leader throughout the National Football League not going over there. It was, quite frankly, rather shocking to have that kind of a cavalier disinterest. Yeah, I mean, it was brought to my attention. And, you know, just knowing Buddha, you know, as long as I've known him and, and what he means to that team and his organization, he is the heartbeat. Um, he plays the game, you know, with reckless abandonment. Um, he puts his body on the line every single week. And just knowing how valuable he is um, to the community, to that team, um, you know, it would have been great to just to go give him a little love. And I know Buddha would have appreciated it. But, you know, I, you never know what a guy's going through and what he's thinking about to losing the game at the playoffs. And, uh, you know, you're trying to regroup and get something going. But, it's tough. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was doing. But, you know, you, you would love to to see him show a little love to Buddha. It was a bad look, wasn't it? A real bad look. It reeked of selfishness. You don't have to say it. You're in a bad position. I can. It stunk. And uh, if his teammates are upset with him, they've got good reason. Uh, again, uh, he's digging his own hole. I don't know the young man. I admire his his talent. But some of the uh, actions that he displays leave you scratching your head. The great thing about Kyler, though, is he's a he's a he's a good kid. Like he's not going to be you're not really going to read about him in the papers doing anything stupid. He doesn't go out in the clubs. He doesn't drink. Um, you know, he loves football like he is in love with the game of football, loves to play it, loves to compete. And uh, you just you just hope that that love, that passion for greatness, you know, will will be the thing that uh, you know just brings him along and, and helps him lead the franchise to greatness. Special thanks, Dave the Snake Hagen. He had a lot to do here today. Production assistance by Harris Fabishoff to our sponsors: Mastros, USAA, Ring United Wholesale Mortgage, and GoldenNuggetCasino.com. The Let's Go podcast with Tom Brady was produced by 199 Productions in collaboration with Scratchy Productions. Talk to you again next Monday night right here on Sirius XM. Let's go.
Sirius XM Podcasts.